Hi, this is uh, Dr. Peter Ramirez, Editor-in-Chief of the International Journal of Gynecological Cancer. Today, I have the great pleasure of uh, having on the podcast Dr. Jorge Hegel, who is in the Division of Gynecologic Oncology at Hospital General del Este, Dr. Domingo Luciani in Caracas, Venezuela. Jorge is uh, one of the leading gynecologic oncologists, not only in Venezuela, but also in Latin America. And the topic for this discussion is a, a very interesting and important uh, uh, manuscript that was published in the, in the International Journal of uh, Gynecological Cancer titled Peritoneal Carcinomatosis After Minimally Invasive Surgery Versus Open Radical Hysterectomy, a Systematic Review, and Meta-Analyses. So, Jorge, uh, great to have you on the uh, on the podcast. Thank you again for uh, agreeing to participate in the podcast. And again, thank you and congratulations on your on your manuscript. Uh, hello, Dr. Ramirez. It's a pleasure to be with you today, and thanks for the invitation. Of course. Well, um, lots of uh, lots of points to discuss. Obviously, as uh, as this is a, a very important and relevant topic um, with regards to the point of uh, recurrences as peritoneal carcinomatosis after minimally invasive radical uh, hysterectomy. This is something that I think has been suspected from uh, some of the uh, published literature, but um, you brought this to light and you brought it, uh, uh, you know, certainly through a systematic review and a meta-analysis. So first, I wanted to ask you, um, why did you consider this was an important study to perform and, and why now? Well, historically, the recurrences after radical hysterectomy have been described as local, regional, and distant. And this last group of distant recurrences can be very heterogeneous due to the inclusion of any metastasis outside the pelvis, you know, including liver, lungs, bones, and bowel. But, you know, the LAC trial demonstrated that patients after minimally invasive surgery could have differing oncological behavior after surgery. And we noticed an increase in the description of carcinomatosis in the retrospective series with worrying percent percentage. Also, in the retrospective series published, the first cases described were reported since the late 90s, mainly associated with minimally invasive surgery, which made us think that perhaps it was not an unusual pattern in these cases as we thought. Yes, and, and as you mentioned, we did um, an exploratory analysis of, of the LAC trial and uh, the the rate of uh, peritoneal carcinomatosis in those patients that had a recurrence was uh, up to 24%, so obviously very impacting. Um, so now tell us a little bit about your methodology and the approach to conducting uh, this study. Uh, ideally, if you can talk to us uh, about your inclusion criteria you know, your study selection, data extraction, and the assessment of the study quality, because I think that's also very important. Well, okay, uh, a research protocol was designed and registered in Prosper, and a systematic literature review was conducted following the meta-analysis of, of observational studies. Articles published from inception up to April 2022 were identified through a search of uh, Cochrane, Embase, clinical trials, Medlin, Scopus databases, and inclusion criteria were patients who underwent primary surgery and for international field 2009 stage 1A up to A, 
cervical cancer, including squamous cell carcinoma, adenocarcinoma, or adenosquamous carcinoma. And studies were excluded if they had only one course patients, including patients under 18 years of age, never doing chemotherapy or radiotherapy in pregnancy. And we used the covidence software data for selection and extraction and assessing the risk of bias in the course of uh, studies with the new Castellotavo tool and the randomized controlled trial with the rob 2 tool. Great. And, um, you know, obviously you had to go through a lot of articles, um, you know, extensive evaluation. Um, what, what were the main results? Because we want to get to discuss some of those in, in, in some detail. But if you can just highlight what were the, remain, the, the main results of the study and, and what do you think should be the main take home messages for, for our uh, audience? Well, I like that question. <laughs> 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 the most important result is that peritoneal uh, carcinomatosis represents more than 15% of all recurrence, with a recurrence rate of 22.2% in minimal invasive surgery compared to 8.8% in open surgery. So I consider that the main home message should be that patients approached by minimal invasive surgery have a higher chance of relapse in the form of peritoneal carcinomatosis when compared to open surgery. And this pattern of recurrence associated with cervical cancer has never been identified in this way before. And this fact was confirmed by the results of the LAC trial presented at this year at SEO meeting. Yeah, so definitely um, <clears throat> an important finding, peritoneal carcinomatosis, um, accounting for 15% of all recurrences, not, not that different from the 24% uh, that we saw in the, uh, in the LAC trial. Now, <clears throat> I wanted to ask you a little bit more into the specific details of your results and in, in your methodology. You know, there are those who say, well, you know, when I've looked at my institutional series, I don't see carcinomatosis as a, as a recurrence. And I wanted to ask you, uh, obviously, we always talk about the time of evaluation of patients. How important do you think is the time of follow-up when evaluating this particular variable, carcinomatosis? Well, th th this is a very crucial question. Because for a long time, we thought that it was not a common finding in patients with cervical cancer. But traditional carcinomatosis has been frequently grouped within distant recurrence, and perhaps this made it not such a notorious fact. And well, although the descriptions of the follow-up time of the studies, including in the systematic review, were heterogeneous, we noted that most cases were described during the first 36 months of followed up, which could be considered as an early relapse pattern. Yeah, so typically within the first three years, uh, and, and I think that's generally applicable to most recurrences of, uh, of cervical cancer. Um, so, you know, obviously there are a lot of people who will uh, join this podcast and listen to it and say, well, yeah, so we already knew that minimally invasive surgery uh, is associated with peritoneal carcinomatosis, uh, but some will say, I, you know, I'm looking to you to tell me why. What's uh, What did you learn, if anything, about 
uh, the pattern of recurrence after minimally invasive surgery. What, why do you think minimally invasive surgery causes peritoneal carcinomatosis? Well, this is controversial because one of the proposed theories is that the high pressure of carbon dioxide used during hemoperitoneum alters the superficial mesothelial layer of the peritoneum, which could cause intraperitoneal dissemination of the tumor. But on the other hand, intracorporeal colpotomy under hemoperitoneum pressure has been associated with peritoneal carcinomatosis by several authors. But these are theories based on retrospective studies. And that's all we have for now, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think that I agree with you. A lot of it has been attributed to this like tumor contamination, which then brings me to the next question. Uh, <laughs> as I'm sure you've heard, you know, there's a lot of talk about, well, this is how I still do minimally invasive surgery. I do a vaginal protective maneuver uh, without really any evidence for, uh, definitely prospective evidence for the safety of this approach um, and not taking into account the, the learning curve associated with that as well. But what are your thoughts on this concept of the vaginal protective maneuver? Do you think that this could prevent peritoneal carcinomatosis? Well, uh, you know, studies uh, such as Super and authors as Bellen and Kohler and Kohler, among others, have shown that vaginal protection maneuvers, isolating the tumor and eliminating the use of the uterine manipulator could improve relapse rates in these patients and obtain better results. However, the retrospective nature of this study could decrease the quality of evidence, but therefore we must wait for the results of ongoing clinical trials using protective maneuvers to see yeah. some prospective results. Yeah, I think uh, you, you're absolutely right, uh, particularly uh, two ongoing studies, the, the RAC uh, from Europe and the ROC from the, the United rock. States. So uh, we are awaiting those uh, those results. Now, I wanted to ask you, you know, certainly there are some skeptics who might say, well, you know, uh, does it matter if there is a recurrence as carcinomatosis or not? Uh, anytime a patient has a recurrence, that's already poor prognostic indicator. Um, it, from your literature review, is, is there any data as to whether patients who have a recurrence as carcinomatosis do worse than those do not have a recurrence as carcinomatosis uh, and have a recurrence manifested in some other way? <laughs> mm, thanks for this question, because <clears throat> among other authors, Fitzsimmons et al. recently reported 45% of relapses as peritoneal carcinomatosis after a robotic surgical approach, and also found that the overall survival of patients with peritoneal carcinomatosis was significantly shorter than that of patients with other recurrence patterns. And it seems that from all that has been described so far, the importance of the description of this pattern lies in the fact that it has been found in an individual form between you know, 17 and almost 60% of relapses. And that's its biological behavior is more aggressive than other patterns. But unfortunately, most manuscripts that reported carcinomatosis as a relapse pattern after radical hysterectomy did not give details on oncological outcomes in those patients. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. And I think that just from the clinical experience, it seems like patients who recur with carcinomatosis seem to do uh, significantly worse. So now I'm going to get into uh, some of the questions from our fellows. 
<clears throat> it's often said that those are the toughest questions from our fellows in the uh, in the journal. So this first question comes from uh, Gabriela Schivardi, who is at the European Institute of Oncology in Italy. And she notes uh, of 3,766 patients in your study who underwent minimally invasive surgery. Do you have any uh, ideas as to what percentage underwent laparoscopy versus robotic surgery? And I think also to the point that she's asking is, do you do we know if there is a difference in terms of recurrences as carcinomatosis between laparoscopy and robotics? Well, well, um, out of twenty-two studies included, only twenty accurately described both surgical approaches. Almost one thousand eight hundred, corresponding to fifty-three percent, by laparoscopy, and more than one thousand five hundred, corresponding to forty-six by robotic surgery. And then do we have any idea as to whether carcinomatosis rates were higher in one or the other? No, because uh, the uh, all data, the, all heterogeneous data, we have no, this, this was not, um, I mean, there was not uh, aim of the systematic review, you know? Yes. All right. So maybe the next project will be uh, will be that, and uh, perhaps we can get uh, Gabriela to uh, collaborate on that study as well. Um, the next question that she has is: uh, Do you know if the fecal stages uh, might have impacted uh, outcomes on this study? In other words, uh, could there have been patients like fecal stage uh, two thousand eighteen stage one B three or two A two? Uh, in other words, patients who should not have undergone a radical hysterectomy, um, uh, do, do you have a sense of, of that distribution of stages in your study? Well, but this is a question we predicted. <laughs> we have a little bit of that. We included stages uh, 1A through 2A, according to FIGO 2009, and only 7.2% of patients had tumors larger than 4 centimeters. Unfortunately, we are not able to describe two A tumors included. Yeah, and and I think overall that the, the the literature shows us at least definitely retrospective literature that large tumors yes. definitely going to have the worst outcomes uh, by a minimally invasive approach. So this next question comes from uh, Sarita Kumari from India. Um, she asks, from your data, is it possible to have a subgroup analysis? on tumor size less than two centimeters and the distribution of peritoneal carcinomatosis between open and minimally invasive surgery? Mm, this will be, have been perfect to have it available. It will be <laughs> perfect. But despite 92.8% of tumors being smaller than four centimeters, we even had described in our protocol to do a subgroup analysis with, with this group of patients. However, not all studies describe these findings. Unfortunately, we're not able to describe outcomes for tumor size less than two centimeters. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing because we always have these, these questions that would be ideal to have answered, but if you don't have that information, then you're still left with that additional question. Um, the other question from Sarita is pertaining to, I think, often a common argument by those who defend uh, the, the, the minimally invasive surgery. Uh, and her point is, well, peritoneal carcinomatosis also happens in cases where you do open surgery. 
certainly at a much lower rate, arguably. Um, so what are your thoughts with regards to what you learn as to what potential risks there could be from open surgery in patients who manifested a recurrence as carcinomatosis? Well, this is an interesting question because although the evaluation of risk factors associated with this pattern of recurrence was not part of the, of the review, we found that peritoneal carcinomatosis is also associated with open surgeries in almost 10% of, of patients, 8 8.8%, and its descriptions in the literature are few and possibly because they are also grouped with distant metastasis, and this is very hard for us to, to see in, in the retrospective literature. Yeah. <clears throat> this uh, next uh, set of questions comes from Alexander uh, Shushkovich uh, from uh, Ukraine, and he's asking about whether you think histology has any component in predisposing that patient to having carcinomatosis if done by minimally invasive surgery? Well, uh, this is a good question. It is currently described that minimal invasive surgery has worse outcomes. However, in, in this systematic review, uh, the retrospective nature of the included articles does not allow to develop of all the oncologic outcomes. As usual, in these comparative studies, it seems the minimal invasive surgery group has more favorable clinical characteristics. Yeah. So yeah, I I, uh, I think that it you know I think it's it's difficult to tease out the element of histology, because you know as obviously most uh, most tumors are squamous carcinomas, so mm -hmm. you always have very small numbers of uh, smaller numbers of adenocarcinoma and even smaller number of the rare histologies. Um, you know, I think that this question always comes up. His next question from Alexander is, any differences between centers where patients have been treated and were pre uh, and had evidence of carcinomatosis? I presume I know what the answer to this is, but uh, what are your thoughts with regards to, does it matter where you have your, your surgery with regards to your recurrence as carcinomatosis? Mm. <laughs> The, the hard questions. <laughs> and no, there are no relevant differences among centers. I mean, reports of peritoneal carcinomatosis associated with cervical cancer in this systematic review have been described worldwide. Um, rating the level of the institutions or establishing difference among them was not part of the scope of our research. So, yeah yeah and, and i think also it's uh, a lot of it is more so about patient selection than the actual center uh one may go with the other you know a a center that is a tertiary center an, an academic center a, a specialized cancer center then in those centers the patient selection may be much more defined strict concrete according to guidelines and therefore the outcomes may be better um, you know, I think that we 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 can we can certainly have a, a separate podcast regarding you know surgeon experience and, and surgeon volume. So now let me uh, let me get on to the point of uh, you know obviously you you have looked at a lot of patients. Uh, you 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 gave uh, some definitive numbers with regards to the rates of carcinomatosis that we can discuss with our patients. Um, what would you highlight as the strengths of of your study? 
but also more importantly, what are the limitations of your study? Well, among the strengths of our study are the fact that um, it has registered protocol with specified selection criteria, a rigorous process for that analysis. We used to guidelines for reporting systematic reviews and data collection, and use a publicity tool to assess the quality of included studies in the review. But finally, we have to recognize that this is the first time that this pattern of relapse has been shown in the way that we have done. And well, of course, uh, we are aware that our manuscripts have some weaknesses, such as the retrospective nature of all but one of the included studies, potential selection and publication biases and restriction to that of published in English. Also, the included studies were clinically heterogeneous and an imbalance among the patient's characteristics between minimally Minimally invasive surgery and open surgery, favoring minimally invasive surgery was evident for observational study. And the descriptions of clinical factors such as tumor size, lymph node metastasis, uh, patient followed up, um, the recurrence location, and surgical details as compotomy root, the use of uterine manipulators, uh, protected specimen extraction, and information about adjuvant treatment were lacking in many studies. Yeah. So then now, Jorge, as a, as a final um, uh, commentary with regards to um, your suggestions as to how we should view the results of the study, how should this impact how we talk to our patients or, or teach our, our residents and, and fellows? Well, uh, traditional carcinomatosis does not appear to be an unusual recurrence pattern associated with cervical cancer. And its descriptions have increased since 2018. And it is necessary to reconsider reporting this pattern within the distant recurrence and establish it as an individual pattern due to its apparent worse oncological behavior. Well, thank you so much, Jorge Hegel from uh, Caracas, Venezuela. We're really, really very uh, happy to have had this opportunity to discuss this uh, manuscript with you. Thank you again for submitting it and congratulations to you and your group for this tremendous amount of work. So we're really, really very excited uh, to and look forward to further discussions on this uh, on this topic in our upcoming uh, journal club as well, um, as this has been uh, selected as one of the, the lead articles. So thank you very, very much for your time and for accepting our invitation. Well, it, it was an honor to share the podcast with you and those who take the time to, to listen to it. And thank to my colleagues for, for this team work.